Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? What an awesome day to be alive. God is great, and he's greatly to be praised. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'll look at somebody somewhere next to you. Say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. Once again, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for coming out today. want to welcome our everyone joining by live stream and our Meeker campus. Welcome. Uh, good to see you online. It was so awesome to be with you all last week. We had a great time together. I believe that God imparted things into your hearts. We're so proud of you, what's going on in Meeker, what's going on in your hearts and lives. And so uh, we welcome you this morning. Why don't you all give Meeker campus a big hand? We had a great time there, and uh, I know you all had a tremendous time here. I want to thank Pastor Tasha for filling the pulpit, and uh, praise the Lord. She brings awesome revelation. She is an awesome teacher, and for all of you that send me emails and texts and tell me I should let her do it more, I, I've tried. I've told her I'm taking a sabbatical. You take the next seven weeks. She won't do it, and so it's not my fault, and... Uh, so I know she always brings great revelation, and uh, you're blessed by that. And so I'm so thankful to her. And always when we're gone, our staff, uh, Alan, all the people who fill in, you guys are blessed. We have uh, very uh, able ministers, and uh, they minister to you. And so uh, praise the Lord. Well, we want to start this morning, and really we could have gone on with the offering. I think Alan was really uh, fixing to preach some of my message and do it better than I could do it. And so uh, we are starting uh, a message, Faithful. And uh, open your Bibles to Psalms, the 20th chapter. I want to jump into this this morning, uh, and, I, and I'll do my best to stay focused. I have a lot this morning to get to a point that we will launch the next few weeks into. But Psalms 20, starting in verse 5, it says this, We will rejoice in your salvation. This morning we were praying, I just started, man, God is so good to save us. We rejoice in our salvation. It says, in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Come on, we don't trust in chariots and horses. We don't trust in the hands of man. We don't trust in those abilities, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The Bible says that his name is a strong tower and the righteous run unto it and are safe. Second Timothy, this goes along with what Alan read out of Romans chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. 
says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He will not deny himself. If God has said it, will he not do it? If God has said it, will he not do it? And so I want to begin even in a place where, in a culture really, our culture and our, this generation is almost defined by faithlessness. People quitting marriages, people quitting their job, people falling short, people getting frustrated and quitting. And really, if I was to ask people around this room, how many of you in the end want to be found faithful I believe many people would raise their hand and say, I want to be found faithful. If we have people all around us that want to be found faithful, then what is the problem? I hope over the next few weeks we answer some questions about that. And answering some questions about that, we equip you in your lives, we equip you in your heart. My trust is, and again, we, we, we may blow into 2021, you all know me. But I hope to share over the next few weeks that when it comes Thanksgiving, we have imparted some stuff that Thanksgiving will mean so much to you concerning God, no matter what's going on around, that that Thanksgiving will start to stir something in your vision for the future and for 2021 that will stir you to a depth that maybe you've never been stirred before. As we launch into this, I just got to make a confession to you. I've had... Two weeks ago, I had a, a tremendous, tremendous struggle, and I just want to be honest with you about my struggle. My daughter, Carrie, came to me, and she said, Dad, um, will you work out with me? Will you do P90X3 with me? I'm like, sure. No sweat. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. No problem. Now, of course, when I was thinking about that, I thought, I've done P90X, I've done the big one, an hour-long workout move, I've done it with her before, I've actually done it twice before. This is a half-hour workout, I'm thinking, no, no problem. I knew, you know, I knew I needed to, to exercise a little bit more, I know you're looking at me right now thinking, you need to exercise? I know, God bless me, I'm a, a <laughs> fine specimen, but... I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, you. <laughs> I also knew, you know, I, I had gone really probably longer in my life. I knew I was a little, little bit out of shape, but 30 minutes, no sweat. You know, you get on there, and they get going, and they're like, let's warm up. It's just 30 minutes. We're going to do this, and, you know, do the best, forget the rest, all that stuff. But they don't really mean do your best. They mean do what we're doing. Anyway, we started, and I was exhausted. The guy goes, we, got, we just got 30 seconds left. I'm like, you liar. You said a minute, and I know we have done a minute and a half. And then he gets down to five, and I'm like, I'm done. We're not going to one. And I'm struggling, like, what happened? I've worked out before. 
I mean, years ago, I mean, I used to work out all the time. I've even done this workout before. What's the problem? We get out of shape. Why are we out of shape? We all know this. Consistency. I mean, why, why am I still not in the same shape? I did it once. I've done this from time to time. Why am I not in good shape right now? Why am I feeling defeated during this workout? Why am I exhausted right now? Now, if we just bring that over into the church, we wouldn't call it consistency. What would we call it? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Well, I've been to church. I go to church every now and then. So why am I feeling exhausted right now? Why are the pressures of life causing me to feel like I want to throw up my hands and quit? There's something about being faithful that puts you in a position to withstand what comes. You know, there's another aspect of that. You know, they, they don't really ever put on a video and have really skinny or really heavy people uh, showing you how to do the exercise. No, they put people who have what? Done that before. They've been faithful to do the workout. They're showing you the results of their faithfulness. They always introduce on this one, they always, they always say, now here's Bob, or whatever Bob's name is. Now here's Bob. Bob, you couldn't do this before you did P90X the first time. And he's like, no, I couldn't. But then you watch Bob, and he like does it forever. Why? Because he did the whole workout. He was faithful. He was faithful. And in a generation that's marked by unfaithfulness in all areas of life, if we, can't, if we desire to be faithful, but we can't figure out how to be faithful, we're not looking to people who have been faithful. We're just trying to drudge and, trudge and get by. We may never get to where we want to go. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew, the 25th chapter. I know that you all are, most all of you, are very familiar with this parable, and we're going to come at it from a different direction today, but we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to back up. Starting in verse 14, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered his goods to them, and to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability. Each one according to his own ability. Now, I want to plant some seed in you to start to understand, because when Jesus is talking about parables, it spreads throughout the scripture, and there's agreement in the scripture. So as we begin to move this, he said he gave to each one according to his own ability. And if you look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, he said, listen, each one of us begins to operate according to the measure of faith that God has given to us. And, and we look at that a number of different ways, but if you'll mark that out, just keep that note in your mind, us living in the grace that God has put into our life in the measure that Christ has given us faith. And we're going to connect some things, connect some dots here, but just remember that. Because he's showing us something about how he works with us in the kingdom of God. And so he gave each to their own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went, traded, them, traded with them, 
and made another five talents. And likewise, the one who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside. His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, how many of you would like a boss like that? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have done an awesome job. Look at the job that you've done. You have been a faithful servant. He said, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over much. Listen, this boss is saying, listen, you've done an awesome job. I'm I'm, I'm commenting. I'm uh, exhorting you, but I'm also going to promote you. What an awesome boss. He said, enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, to the, said, Lord, you have delivered to me two. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Again, this, this boss is like awesome. He's like, man, you, you went out. You did a good job. You multiplied things. You did an awesome job. Way to go. I'm going to promote you. How many of you like a boss like that? Right? Everybody. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. Immediately we start to see a problem here. This third guy has a totally different impression of the boss than we just saw. We just saw a boss that says, man, there's joy. Enter into the joy that I have for you. Enter into that joy. I'm complimenting you. I'm uh, telling you you did an awesome job, and I'm promoting you. The first two's view of the boss is of the Lord is totally different than the last. But his Lord answered him and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown, gathered where I have not scattered, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who who has ten talents. For For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you want to have the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? I believe we all want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yet in the whole mindset, we still see even believers quitting, quitting on their marriage, quitting on things, unable to see things through till the end. And if we know we want to be faithful, but we see that there's a huge struggle in being faithful and seeing it through to the end, what's the problem? 
How can we begin to realize the problem? And I believe that we can begin to realize the problem if we look at the unfaithful servant first of all. We begin to look at the unfaithful servant. What's the situation of the unfaithful servant? He has bad information. He has bad information about his Lord. He has this information. The first thing that he says is he says, listen, I got to tell you, Lord, I was afraid. I was afraid. Listen, if you have bad information about the Lord, you'll be afraid. If you have religious information about the Lord, you'll be afraid. But if you know Jesus and how much he loves you, perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has torment. He had bad information, and he was afraid. And then he said to him, he says, I know you to be a hard or a harsh Lord. And the Lord said, you wicked servant. Why did he say that? Why did he call him a wicked servant? He called him a wicked servant because the Bible says, woe unto him who calls evil good and good evil. Those who call bitter sweet. See, Jesus is relating the kingdom of God. And he says, when you look at me and call me evil, that's wicked. When you call the things of me evil, that's wicked. And when you call the things that are not of me good, that is not good. It is wicked. He said, we don't know. We have bad information as to who our God is, who our Lord is. We will begin to make bad decisions about what we have been given. We'll make bad decisions about what we've been given. And so he says, you wicked and lazy servant. And then he says, take his talent and give it to somebody else. Give it to the one who has 10. Then he goes on to say this, to him who has, more will be given. And to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And so we look at that and go, well, that is pretty harsh. But if we read through the scriptures, we begin to understand this, that Jesus uses this terminology a few times, and it's really not disconnected. We look at it in stewardship of money, but Jesus, I believe, was talking about something totally different that impacts our whole life, spirit, soul, and body, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and materially. If you go back in Matthew to the 13th chapter, the parable of the sower. In the parable of the sower, Jesus preaches the message of the sower. They get done and people walk away having heard the message and the disciples said, listen, we want to understand this message. We've, we've heard something different in this message. Would you explain it to me? And Jesus said this. He said, listen, those people went away because they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear or hearts to understand. He said, but you have sought to understand. Why? Because they saw something different and heard something different. See, everybody that day that Jesus was preaching to Concerning the parable of the sower, he stood up there and preached that message. But most of the people saw a preacher. Few saw a savior. And even fewer saw the Messiah, the Lord and the Master. He said, listen, I'm talking about 
Those who have understanding or revelation, more will be given to them. Those who don't, even what they thought they had, the light that was in them is darkness because it's not understandable. They've called evil good and good evil, and they thought it was right, but it has to, it'll be taken away because it's not accurate information. And so Jesus said this. He said, if you will look at me and understand and have the revelation that I am the Christ, I am the Christ of God, the Son of the living God, this revelation seeing and knowing and understanding this upon this rock this revelation that I am the Christ I will build my church how many have a revelation that he's the Christ the son of the living God see God can work with you he can build with you he can build with you but this gentleman had bad information about who his Lord was And with the bad information about who his Lord was, he made bad decisions about what he was going to do with what was in his hand. And so we come to the other two to learn something about why were they successful? Why did this one fail? He had bad information. Why were they successful? Because they knew their Lord. They knew their Lord. And I've taught this before, and you've heard this taught, this parable Just do something. What's in your hands? Do something with what's in your hands. And I've taught that, but I want to bring a little bit more clarity. I want to focus down just a little bit deeper. Because if we just say, do what's in your hands, the wicked servant did something with what was in his hands. He buried it. If you look around today, you just turn on the radio, sing a popular song, There are people that are doing something with what God gave them. But the important part about this faithful servant is that they're doing with what God gave them what God wanted them to do with what he gave them. Being faithful is not simply a matter of doing with what I have. It's doing what He wants me to do with what I have. I believe these two gentlemen even took it a little bit farther, narrowed their focus in just a little bit more. And they didn't just do what he wanted them to do with what was in their hands. But they did what he would have done with what was in their hands. They knew him so well to be a faithful man and a shrewd man, one that would multiply. They knew him to be faithful with what he had done. They watched him. They joined in relationship with him. And because they knew what he would do with what was in his hands, and they knew he was faithful, it put something on the inside of them to follow the example of faithfulness that their Lord had showed them. Again, just a brief message to connect something that Jesus is talking about to us. Did he not tell his disciples, watch me, the works that I do, you will do also. You've been ruler over, you've been faithful over little, I'll give you much. The works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about faithfulness. 
He's talking about how do we take and understand what God has put in our hands and what are we going to do with what God has put in our hands. And over the next couple of weeks, you say, oh, here we go, faithful. Over the next couple of weeks, I hope to stir your hearts to a level. I hope that we will come to a point of actually not having bad information about our Lord. That when we come to a point that we want to quit, listen, what do you do when your marriage, when your job, when you've set your hand to, the excitement wears off and that thing in itself does not incentivize you to go farther? Do you quit because it doesn't have an incentive for you? Or do you know how to be faithful and remain through difficult times? I will tell you, in yourself, your flesh, without incentive, won't be faithful. You'll say, I need some incentive. But if you know the one who is faithful, and that he's in you and you're in him, you will know how to be faithful. Turn over to Psalms 40. Psalms 40, pretty quiet in here. Psalms 40. Psalmist says this, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. I think we have a great assembly here. We will declare his faithfulness. Over the next few weeks and beyond, we are going to declare his faithfulness. Turn back just a few psalms to Psalms 37. I'm really excited about this. More excited than you are, but I'm trying to keep my calm. I know what God has for us. Y'all are looking going, would you get to the point? Well, it'll take a little while to get to the point. I know you're thinking, man, I was coming. I was thinking you're really going to pump us up because of the days that we live in, and that's what I'm doing. You just got to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. Psalms 37, starting in verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land. What land? The land he's called you to. Dwell, take up residence, live there, abide there, stay there. If God called you, right? He said, listen, he's talking about you're in a place where there's evildoers, there's things that are going on, and God will deal with that. But for you, he, you need, I need to not uh, quit trusting in God, but to trust in God, to continue to do good, to dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Listen, if we begin to feed on his faithfulness and we begin to just gorge ourselves with his faithfulness, over the next few weeks, we want to belly up to the table and start to feed on his faithfulness. We want to enlarge ourselves. 
We want to enlarge ourselves by feeding on his faithfulness. The enemy's trying to come and say, we're starving, there's lack, things aren't going our way, things aren't right. And God says, listen, quit looking at all that stuff and thinking they're there. If you're hungry, if you feel like there's lack, what does hunger really denote? It denotes lack of some area. He said, if you're in your land, if you're trusting in God, you're doing good, you're, leading, you're, you're uh, dwelling in the land, but you feel like something's not right, it's time to start feeding on his faithfulness. Come on, we've been feeding on all kinds of stuff. We've been feeding on all kinds of opinion, all kinds of thought. We wonder why in the world it's not going our way. God said, listen, I have a way, and it might not be your way. It might be higher than your ways. My thoughts might be higher than your thoughts, but if you'll feed on my faithfulness, It'll do something on the inside of you. It'll start to enlarge you. See, the reason we quit, the reason we sit down is we start listening, we start eating of other things, we start eating of junk food, things that don't have the nutrients, and we're like, I'm tired, this is not going my way. But I'm just telling you that people that feed on the faithfulness, we, we've heard this parable over and over. The faithfulness get the reward. The faithfulness get to enter in and get more. The faithful, and it's true. When you're faithful, there's promotion. When you're faithful, there's a reward. There's faith. Well, what is it? Why are miracles happening for some people? As Alan said, they don't quit. Well, wait a minute. I was believing God. It didn't go my way. What do I do? You keep believing God. You keep moving forward. You keep dwelling in the land. You keep feeding on his faithfulness. You don't quit. Well, how am I ever going to do that? You don't know my situation. How am I going to do that? Because God has never quit on you. If we're faithless, he's still faithful. He'll never deny himself. If God promised it to you, he will perform it. He is faithful. The work that he's begun in you, he's faithful to complete it. But he needs us to not quit. But we quit because we have bad information about our Lord. But when we start feeding on his faithfulness, that he's never let you down, he's never left you, he's never forsaken you, Amen. he's always been with you. Yeah. I, was, I went to my mom and dad's house yesterday to, to just see them, see how they were doing. I've been trying to do that on a regular basis, so my dad did not know that I was going to preach this message, but we were just sitting around the table talking, and my dad's 89 years old. So he just started talking, you know, about, you know, all of the different kinds of things that are going on. And he said, you know what, throughout my life, I've had ups and I've had downs. Things have come and gone. I've made mistakes. I've complained about life. I've done some things. He said, and he got all choked up. He said, but God has brought me through every single one of them. And he said, I imagine if I live a few more years, he'll bring me through this. Feeding on his faithfulness. Come on, feeding on his faithfulness. We begin to look and know that God has never let you down. Things might not have gone your way, 
at different times, but he's never let you down. He's never let me down. So we want to look at just a few things. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Romans, the fourth chapter. I want to crack this nut open just a little bit. Remember these two different types of people and where it gets difficult, but you say, Lord, I want to be found faithful. Again, I don't know about you, but I want to be found faithful. More than ever before, I want to be able to stand before God and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, when I think about it, I mean, I love y'all, and I, I, I hope that we reach more and more people. I hope this place is packed out as revival hits. If we don't build a new building, I hope we fill this in numerous times. Thank God for his faithfulness. We'll fill it four times. I'll preach once in either video or Jonathan will preach three times. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pass on the burden. But no matter how full it gets, and I've realized this just over the past struggles that we've had, and even at times when I said, you know what, I want, God, I think I'm just about ready to quit. And God says, why would you quit? I'm not done yet. I said, well, I'll need your mercy and I'll need your grace. And guess what? He's faithful. Everybody say, God's faithful. faithful. Say it again, God's faithful. faithful. He always brings us through to this point that now, I believe it's a result, but whether or not we're full four times or not, I just want to do what he would do with what he gave me. I want to be found faithful. And I know you want to be found faithful or you wouldn't be here. I don't believe you're here just to cover, you know, something so when you get to heaven, he'll say, come on in. I believe that every person's heart burns with the fact that I don't want to just come and he says, well, you messed up life, but go ahead and come in. I believe every one of us wants to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful. But we struggle with desiring to quit when we lose sight of who he is. When trouble and tragedy and loss hit my life, you know, the first time it hit, I'm like, I can bounce back. I've been strong in faith. I can bounce back from this. And then all of a sudden, loss again, tragedy again. All right, we can bounce back from this. It was a little less enthusiastic, but we know God and we, we trust God. Then it happens again. It affects people around you. It affects your life, your heart. I got my focus on that, what was happening to me, rather than what God had given me. And you begin to say, wow, I'm getting tired. Maybe it's a good time to quit. But when you know God, he says, why would you quit? Why would you bury it right now? I've got something for you. And what I showed you at the beginning, I'm faithful to bring it to pass. If you won't look at the present circumstance, but you will continue to look at what I promised you, I am faithful to bring it to pass. And God has been faithful. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. We're going to look at a critical thing to try to connect a couple things for us. Speaking of Abraham, who is the father of our faith, it says this, that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not waver at the promise of God with unbelief, but strengthened 
but he was, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Listen, there was a temptation for him to get weak. It wasn't going in his timing. It wasn't going how he thought. There was a temptation to get weak, but he strengthened himself in faith by giving glory to God. How did he give glory to God? Because he declared this and being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to to perform it. He was fully convinced. He was fully persuaded that God was able to do, faithful to perform which he promised. He knew the faithfulness of God. He was fully persuaded. Now let's, let, let's look at some full, full persuasion. I heard this story about this seasoned pilot who came across this guy who was just working on his hours to get his, his uh, uh, pilot's license. And so he told this seasoned pilot with enthusiasm, I have learned to almost land my plane. And the seasoned pilot looked at him and said, you know what that is, don't you? That's crashing. <laughs> Think about it. How many of you want to get on a plane with a pilot that almost knows how to land a plane? Heard about this, this minister, had a young couple in his church. Week after week, he saw him out in the parking lot engaging in some serious public displays of affection. So he went out to, he went out and asked him one day, are you all married? And they said, no, but we're going to get married. We're almost married. And he said, you know what almost married is? Single. Single. Come on, almost persuaded. Remember Paul? When he came before King Agrippa, he preached the gospel with passion to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuade me. Almost. Abraham was fully persuaded that God was faithful. And he's the father of our faith. He's the father of our faith because he knew the one he served and he knew that God was faithful. Get serious for just a moment. But how many people are in heaven who are almost persuaded? Abraham was fully convinced that God was faithful to perform. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11. Listen to this. This is so cool. Y'all are going to have to stay with me a couple weeks. We're going to feed on his faithfulness. We're going to feed on his faithfulness. Verse 11 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith... Sarah herself also received strength. What do we have? What, why do you quit? I don't feel strong enough. Here we see the father and mother of our faith saying they were tempted to be weak, but how did they get strong? How did they receive strength? She received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
How did this couple, I like what one person said, how did this couple who had no business having children at their age, how did this couple who had children, had no business having children at their age, conceive a child? Because they joined together in agreement that God was faithful. Come on, listen, some of you in your marriage know that God had something better when you started. You need to stop and come together and pray and agree that God is faithful. God is faithful. You might have messed up. You might have done things that, that, that seem to mess things up, but you can come back and say, we know God is faithful. And when we know God is faithful, it does something to our faith. And when it does something to our faith, we become faithful through faith. And now this relationship that God designed is vastly incredible because now there's a relationship that cannot be broken. Why? Because part of faithfulness is trustworthiness. And we know God is always trustworthy. So we trust him and we begin to act upon what he does, doing with what he gave us, what he would do with what he gave us. He can trust us. And now we serve a trustworthy God who knows we're trustworthy. You can multiply. You can succeed. You can go beyond what you ever hoped, dreamed, asked, or thought when you know the faithfulness of God. Hebrews 11 is packed. These two are put in what we call the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. And you read all through it, and it's packed with people that says, by faith they did this, by faith they did this. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says this, Seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is set before us. Laying aside the sin and the weight which so easily besets us or would keep us from going on, the sin and the weight that makes us quit. He says, put it aside. How are you going to do it? By looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He says, when you get ready to run your race, set your eyes on Jesus. But also, there are witnesses. Now listen, we almost always use this. I've used this before. That when somebody passes away, right? They go to this cloud of witnesses, so let's keep moving on with our life because they're up there like in the grandstands watching us run our race. But when you break this down into the Greek language, what he was actually saying was connecting it to the previous scriptures about all these people. And he said, when we get ready to run our race and we're not sure whether God will help us see this through, we have this vast array of witnesses that will testify of the faithfulness of God. Abraham, Sarah, Enoch, David, Barak, all those, Samson, all those that we read about that made what we call the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame. They're there to look and see what their faith did, but what, why did their faith do what they did? Because of the faithfulness of God. God said, Noah, build an ark, and he trusted God, and he built an ark. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God. Because he was a great ark builder? No, he had never built an ark before. But he trusted in the Lord his God, and he didn't quit, and he built an ark, and he saved humanity for doing that. Abraham could not have a child, but he trusted in the Lord his God. And his God was faithful. Just want to give you a preview. We're going to go into 
this in the next couple of weeks, but these four things that we want to learn about faithfulness and being faithful that we'll learn from God. To be faithful means to be always present. To be there. You can't be called upon for something greater if you're not there. How many times have people missed an opportunity that was before them because they weren't there? There is an element, it, doesn't, it isn't across the board, but there is an element, must be present to win. Number two, faithfulness never changes. Faithfulness never changes. Number three, faithfulness never quits. Number four, faithfulness is trustworthy. Say, wow, I might miss these next few weeks. Don't do it. Because you don't want bad information about your Lord. Because if you have bad information about your Lord, you'll make bad decisions, which end up with an excuse that I did it because of you, Lord. We see it all through the Old Testament. When we have good decisions. When we know our Lord, we make good decisions. And when he comes, we're happy. And he says, you've been faithful with little, I'll give you much. Enter into the joy. Enter into partnership with me at a higher level than you ever dreamed possible. Why don't you stand up? We always want to apply the word. and This may be hard because we're not into it very much, but I can give you this, this moment, this, how do I apply the faithfulness of God? How do I feed on his faithfulness? The best way to apply this and launch into it is worship. Worship. You want to feed on his faithfulness? Start worshiping God for all that he is, all that he's done for you, and all that you know that he will continue to do. When you get discouraged, when you get down, you got bad information, the best thing to do is to begin to worship him. As you open your heart and worship him, he's worth it. His faithfulness will begin to open up. As you thank him for being faithful every day. Listen, the times that we're in will offer discouragement, cause you to want to quit, throw up your hands, say, what's the use? We prayed it didn't turn out our way. I'm telling you, don't stop now. Don't quit now. Don't say it's not your way. God will have his way. He is faithful. And you don't know what God's doing. Well, God, you're not doing it the way I thought you would do it. He never has done it the way we thought he would do it. God can save by many or few. God is amazing. And it's time that we start getting our eyes on him and his faithfulness and learning of it rather than looking to all the circumstances around us and our ability to tell him he should do what we think he should do when we think we should do it and end up quitting rather than knowing he will always do what he said he would do and staying with it. God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. He's always consistent. Amen.
Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you. You're a faithful, faithful God. Holy Spirit, deal with every single heart, every single life. Let us go from this place, and as we encounter conversations, as we encounter news, as we encounter struggle, as we encounter pressures, whatever form they bring, let us know that you have put something in our hands. You have given us gifts, callings. You've given us things to do. And we're not just supposed to do something with them, but do what you have given them to us to do and do it the way that you would do it. Increase our knowledge of that, the wisdom of that. Stir our hearts to worship and prayer like never before that we might know our Lord, that you are faithful. And in your faithfulness, we find faithfulness growing in us, feeding on your faithfulness, feeding on your faithfulness. We get all out of your faithfulness, just as if we feed on a steak. We gather the nutrients out of that. It strengthens our life with its nutrients and its protein. As we feed on your faithfulness, we are strengthened. We are strengthened for what we need to do. Strengthen each one in their inner man to be rooted and grounded and established in their relationship with you so that they're not wavered or blown by the wind of the day and the decisions of men, but we are stable in the commands of God and the ways that you have for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it.